Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss And welcome to Super Fan Chats, the show where we get really, really nerdy about no small roles. Um, I'm Super Fan Han, and I am joined today by most of the lovely other Super Fans, although Woo! we are missing Lord Crumpet. Um, but guys, do you want to say hi? Hi! I don't want to say hi. Oh. I want to say howdy <laughs> i was thinking maybe like int- introducing yourselves as well you know so people know no. who is speaking but that's fine look if you're listening to the super fan chats i hope you know who the super yeah. fans are <laughs> you better know you better know by now they have how many other superman or superman super fan chats they can go and listen to we we say our names in other ones yeah you know what we should make them work for it. Yeah, figure it, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, this is a serialized series. Yeah. We don't need to reintroduce ourselves each <laughs> time. I like the idea of Superman chats, actually. I bet there's quite a few of those. Mm. I, would, I would be down to participate in those as well. Chats for another day. So, today we are recapping. <laughs> I think we got to leave the giggles in. This is great. <laughs> the complete breakdown. I mean, one of the episodes is entitled Shots and Giggles. Who's doing Who's doing the first episode? Maybe we can just segue straight Ta-da! into that. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, Hannah, who's frazzled. <laughs> if you want to take oh. the first episode. And it's also warm, so we, we forgive you for that. But it's, it's also, warm. I mean, partic- I've, I found this, and I'm sure the other listeners found this as well, or will be finding this as you are listening to it right now in your ear holes. Um... It's it's actually been quite a long time since episode fifty four came out. Uh, that yes. it's kind of good that you are here to refresh our memories on it. Yes, if your brain is working. Yeah, yes, because it's pre Dwayne. Oh my god, it was pre the further adventures of Dwayne Fabulosa. Yes, which were so good. Um, but yes, today we're recapping episodes fifty four through fifty seven. So mm-hmm. I am taking episode 54, as we have established. Yes. <laughs> so, Hannah, yeah. What happens in episode 54, superfan Hannah? Tell us about shopping and strings. Well, let me tell you all about shopping and strings. Yay. Mainly shopping happens in episode 54. There's a lot of shopping. They did do a lot of the shopping admin sort of 
off mic Mm -hmm. so there's not the sort of negotiation about money but everyone pretty much gets themselves some new bits and pieces so Gwen got herself a whole new outfit um, and a bath and she also Mm -hmm. decided she was going to read some smut in the bath Uh, and I am very much looking forward to the full publication of The Ranger and the Nymph yep (laughs) I really hope will be some bonus content on the Patreon to be quite honest (laughs) I'll be honest, I did. I never anticipated that there would be a part of this show where a character would climb into a bath and just read some smut that they've had <laughs> of all the turns, or that it would be Gwendolyn. Uh, I wonder yeah. if... Did, I wonder if Dwayne introduced her to that. That kind of lifestyle, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dwayne's a bad influence. Seems like his kind of thing. Except I think when she went with Dwayne, she did actually have the companion in the room with her. That's true. Because she decided not to this time. She was asked and she was like, no, I've got, I've got my books. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this filthy, filthy book. Um, and then she decides to go out and basically flirt with Mossy, the, the catapult girl. Oh, so cute. Oh, yeah. Which was adorable their little Mm -hmm. friendship there blossoming and then Gwen very much tries to look cool when she walks away and doesn't quite make it yeah doesn't quite make that performance role we also had a guy I don't think guy really bought much but he did start looking around essentially trying to figure out whether he wanted to plan to run a music venue one day he's kind of yeah thinking about "Mm, if I bought a bar (laughs) put myself on six nights a week which was Again, an interesting turn I didn't really expect. Yeah. You know, in the middle of all the drama because, you know, the 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 hideout, you know, exploded in the last few episodes and they're on the run from the hex and there's all this stuff and now they're just tooling around Vernock Rise, sort of like, Oh, maybe we should get some spoons. Yeah. So mm. the the sense of um urgency seems to have left a little bit. Yeah. Um yeah. Juna got a new tattoo and also bought some tattoo equipment. She got um she got a version of Enkidu's tattoo on or Enkidu's mark on her elbow, which would be really interesting to hear how that showing him that goes down. Um Orin just bought a ton of stuff. Like he just bought a <laughs> lot of stuff. I didn't really pay attention to all the stuff that Orin bought. Just <laughs> all there was so much stuff and he basically spent all of it and there was a very cute moment where it was like, Oh yeah, this makes sense because Orin's never really had money before. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know how to save it, so he just kind of blows mm. it all because he's never He's yeah. never really had it, which was I thought was adorable. Because they got they got like two hundred gold, and I think he spent about one hundred and eighty something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was close to one hundred and ninety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Enkidu kind of stepping into the role a bit of like party dad, like got loads of stuff for everyone else. Like he was like, I'm gonna get useful things like tents because we keep sleeping outside which again so adorable he's really like oh yeah Mm. what what would be good for everyone Mm. for the one character who doesn't actually need to sleep i think that was very telling that he's come a long way of how much he cares about the rest of the party now oh my god it was super cute yeah it was so cute. That was kind of the first half of the episode. And the second half was really a conversation with Kierda, mm-hmm. which was very interesting. Mm-hmm. But did it very really... Very enlightening. Yeah, but also not. Frustratingly not, which I think Daryl <laughs> got particularly annoyed at. Yeah. Where 
he kept trying to get information and david was like yeah you, you don't really know you you can't tell um mm-hmm. <laughs> and we found out that there were some discrepancies in the way that juna and kirda were treated in terms of the balance so he wasn't removed from his parents like she was although he gets the sense that he was supposed to be removed from his parents mm-hmm. but it just didn't happen and that's not really elaborated on why it didn't happen neither of them were really told very much neither of them have met anyone else before there was the the phrase you're there to do not to know so it was like you don't think about things you just do it you don't learn anything Um, and they both found out that their magic doesn't work on each other so his magic also doesn't Mm. work on Mm -hmm. Juna when he tried to cast an illusion spell on the entire table and turn them all into Gwendolyn's um, Juna was the only (laughs) one who did not look like a Gwendolyn so it it Mm. was interesting to find out some little tidbits about that and just how in the dark both Juna and Kira are about actually what's going on Mm-hmm. We didn't really get a whole lot more information than that. I don't know if you guys remember anything in particular that caught your attention, but it was it was pretty vague. What on the on the cult itself? And I'm going to call it a cult because <laughs> call it a cult. like it, it it's very very secretive. Like I think they talk about like nobody. There's no documentation on this. Like Kier has looked for any kind yes. of like uh, history. Mm. Uh, on the 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 seven petals and the the generational thing and there's nothing however Mm -hmm. we do know that there is this birthmark we know that they all have some kind of ability but it kind of sounds like their trainers taught them those abilities so Mm. have the trainers kind of decided would kirda have been like you know it makes me wonder would kirda have been able to do some more like divination magic if he'd been chosen to go with ginger and then you know juna was supposed to do illusion magic Mm. Or is it more their innate abilities? Who knows? Mm. Like, there's no, yeah, there's no sense of like, was Juna innately more predisposed to the divination side of things? So that's where her abilities were honed, and then that was drawn out of her. Yeah. yeah. Or mm-hmm. was it Ginger's influence? Like, there's no, like you say, there's no information about that whatsoever, and we we just and they they both find out neither of them know what side of the the flower they're on what petal they are <laughs> yeah. they don't know how how the balance works there's just they know nothing just no information mm. quite infuriating i have to say i sympathize with daryl's feelings about not wanting to be dumbledored uh because <laughs> it's one of those things yes look uh it, it's a it's a common thing. It's a common fantasy trope. It's in like every D and D game where somebody's trying to find something out, and for whatever reason, uh, the people who know either aren't there or just don't want to tell them everything yeah. and don't want to give them straightforward answers. And if you're playing a character who doesn't buy into that. Uh, or if you're just a person who doesn't buy into that, that can be the most frustrating yeah. thing where you're like, just <laughs> tell me what the deal with the pedals are. Oh my and God. A hundred percent. I mean, I know yep. I would be like that because I was like that listening to it where I was like, everyone just do some insight checks. And then they all did insight checks and it revealed nothing. Nothing. It revealed nothing. Yeah. They were like, yeah, he doesn't really know. He's just trying to find out information. I was like, David. David, what what are you hiding? Mm. I, I just find it so interesting that they're, they're, they're told to stay apart from each other. Like, you know, this is the main thing. Do not connect with each other. And there is that little bit at the end with the, the, the puff of wind that wasn't there before and, like, the connection yes. with each other. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of... I didn't know if there's, like, a... a a weird like umbrella academy a you know apocalyptic event kind of thing when they all like you know come together and their powers manifest or something like you know they kind of hinted to that at the end Mm. but that's 
that's the only bit that really makes sense to me is like oh, okay actually if these people are within if they're touching each other and they're within each other's proximity for too long there could be some kind of like major event that comes out of it but keeping them in the dark about it not telling them what's going on so that they influence that's the bit that that i still can't wrap my head around yeah um Mm. And Ginger remains extremely vague. Yeah. Even when June is like, Ginger, how close are you? Where are you? She's like, I'm about four weeks away and I'm one region over. Yeah. Which means I could literally be anywhere. Yeah. Within a month's travel. What what was she up to? (laughs) And travel by what? Travel by horse? Yeah, it sounds like she was running. running. She said she was running the whole way. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I think she's bonus (laughs) actually dashing the whole way there. You know, action as well. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. She's going to take some exhaustion points. (laughs) Just hiked up her skirt. She's just running (laughs) through the countryside. She's got all her bags with her. She's been shopping. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming! Theory time. Mm. Given that Kyrda's magic is all illusion-based, do you find it suspicious that he can change his face and the face of others? Where have we heard that before? Just throwing it out Ooh, there. Oh, you're thinking faceless footman. Well, Ooh. As, soon as, he, as soon as he said he was changing everyone's faces, including his own, to the face of another person who he had seen, and it was Gwen... Again, mm-hmm. my little alarm bell in my head went ringing. I'm probably completely off, but I'm just putting it out there on the off chance it's right in about 100 episodes time. I mean, I don't know that you're necessarily off. I, d- I wouldn't say off because there's something about illusion magic. I've always found it quite like, um, you know, like trickster god kind of thing, you know, illusion. Very Loki, right? Mm. You know, and Loki often like plays that line between what's, you know, being a good guy. He's never quite good, good. He's always that yeah. gray area or bad. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's something about the attitude of Kierda Tagadan that, that sets me on edge. Yeah. For example, when he, when Orin like picks up on the thing that he's saying about the orphans and is like really interested mm-hmm. in that bit of information, it is so hard to nail Kierda Tagadan down to that storyline. Yeah. You know, and, and try and get that basis, which kind of makes me think that, you know, he doesn't want to divulge him. I, I don't know that he is necessarily a good character. Yeah. I feel like he, he falls into that like gray area i'm not sure about faceless footman only because it sounded like in the escape in the the uh, the rostal chase it sounded like when the faceless footman was squaring off within kidu the face kind of like it was more of a like shape shifter thing where you saw like the actual physicality of this thing change um yeah but i mean uh, you know i'm not beyond the idea that kira could be involved he certainly traveled a lot probably has some dodgy connections who the hell is liana Uh (laughs) who is liana it'd be really really useful to know if you know if they just wrapped up that faceless footman issue i know right we might actually know something about that yeah you know how they just left a a shape-shifting serial killer on the loose yeah guys imagine if they went back now I mean, it sounds like all the hex mm. are in Fallus Vale, so, you know, they could go back and fix their problem now, come back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, no, oh I think God. we should just, yeah, it's they not, should not just get more spoons. Yeah. yeah. Just stick with the spoons. I was going to say one thing for me, uh, mostly listening to shorter campaigns or campaigns that are more, uh, more like we do this, complete it, do that, complete it, do that, complete it. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to listen to the fact that like this is i think this functions a lot more like a typical dnd campaign which is to say peop- the party will like ex- will do one thing and then get most of the way done with it 
and then potentially move on to something else because there's something else that comes along and like you end up with a, mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of loose ends in the world that the party has not yet fully addressed. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think that also ties in with like what you were mentioning, Hannah, the urgency that at the beginning of this arc, I think there was like an, okay, we got to get all the spoons. We got to do this as quickly as possible. And then like very quickly when they were like, oh, okay, it doesn't, the speed that we, with which we get the spoons is actually not that paramount. And in fact, we're going to, oh no, the hex are here. And then we started doing stuff with that. You know, we really got sidetracked and it has now turned into like a mini campaign almost in the midst of like with the overarching, the spoons are like the big bad or this competition is like the big, the, the major plot, but along the way, we're just going to complete all these other side plots, uh, which I think, yep. didn't David say that he was inspired by Pokemon for this arc uh-huh. on some mm-hmm. level? I, I mean, if you watch the Pokemon anime, this absolutely fits. Like, you'd think that Ash would just go oh, in yeah. for the yeah. gyms, yeah, 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 gyms yeah. all the time, but like, yeah. I'm going to be a spoon master. <laughs> <laughs> you then there'd be like a linear path through all the different, you know, places to get the spoons but instead oh my god look at all the stuff that's happening maybe let's go shopping yeah, yeah. in the meantime what's happening with the wingthrups and their giant golem army eh, that's still happening exactly. <laughs> they're still in the background i'm, I'm sure enkidu's connected you know he's mm-hmm. he's bluetooth to one of them oh my god he's he's part of the cloud they're in the spoons <laughs> that's another interesting thing about this uh, and as just speaking as like a macro sort of a meta level, we don't have a, at least from my perspective, we don't really have a clear overarching story for the whole campaign. There isn't like the, yeah. the end yeah. game, you know, that down that way, they're the big boss like is, mm-hmm. is the big bad is over there and is like if you're talking basically any other fantasy series with Harry Potter you have Voldemort with Lord of the Rings you have Sauron with like Eragon you have Galbatorix and so on and so on and so on there's always like the big bad and then we have to complete a bunch of other missions or like Legend of Zelda it's always Ganon or Ganondorf you know it's but in this yeah, it's yeah. like there's like four or five different people yeah. that it could be. We don't, we, there, like, there are multiple people who could even yeah. be a big bad. Yeah. We just don't know. Yeah. The interesting thing about it as well is that they're not, you could argue that, that Kral again was doing things for the right reasons, you know, or potentially doing things for the right reason and then got twisted to the point that he yeah. is bad. And Erida, again, you know, they're potentially mm-hmm. just do it you know this is their way of of saving somebody but they're just doing it the wrong way and you know what they're doing is unethical um mm-hmm. that there's, there's no clear big bad guy which is probably why they keep joking in the episodes like oh they're the bb uh in this scenario because it's kind of everyone's a little bit bad and everyone's a little bit good it's very like the seven petal flower actually yeah, like there's yeah, yeah. there's there's mm. the balance and then there's like light and dark and they can switch in all directions but David is, is I mean, clearly a very clever DM. The, and he has said, mm-hmm. like, the clues are all there to, like, piece things yeah. together. That there's clearly some kind of, like, tapestry somehow. that's... Yeah, yeah, and it's starting to yeah. to weave its way together. I think particularly in these episodes. Yeah, well, maybe that's a good point to start talking about the next episode because we might get a little bit more information, maybe. Episode mm. 55. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I hear my name being called on the wind? <laughs> <laughs> For the road to Forlos Vale? Uh, that's me. Uh, so, I made a fairly detailed summary of this episode, 
We begin as everyone is resting for the night. Uh, guy wants to buy matching onesies, which I thought was very cute. Yeah. And everybody piles into the same bed, except for Enkidu, who tries sleeping for the first time since the Arida incident, since the Wingthrop incident. Uh, and it appears that he actually does at least go through the mechanics of sleeping. He's able to experience the sensation of sleeping. Uh, he it does not dream, uh, but even when Gwendolyn, like, inspects him, he appears to be asleep. Uh, that We get at the very beginning, Orin teases the idea of writing a letter to Eliwick, uh, and Juna at that point asks him not to mention her or Kirda. Uh, then the watch itself goes fairly uneventfully. Uh, there are some uh, few small conversations, but nothing super substantial. But then the next big thing that happens is we try to name the horses. Uh, the, <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of names get floated. Uh, they almost settle on Baby and David. Solid choices. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, almost Sam and Hannah. I know. Uh, yep. How exciting so was that? So close. It was so Just close to out. being a horse. It's a dream of mine. Uh, and then they decide to make it a vote. Yeah, and I think they had Bess A and Bess B as the placeholder names until uh, until the fans could vote. And they determined that it would take about six days uh, to get to Forlo's Vale. So we go into a bit of a montage. We have a scene between Enkidu and Gwendolyn. We're hardcore teasing then those Gwenkidu shippers uh, yes, with a very, please. like... Please make like, it happen. I, look, I'm I'm Team Dwendolyn. Uh, Dwendolyn Fabiorosa all the way. Uh, I mean, but are you against a thruple? Dwayne isn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this would be the second thruple that Enkidu's involved in, though, so we, we're going to have to check with him. Listen, he gets a around. sextuple. He's a popular uh, guy. <laughs> he's, he's very stoic. I mean, he's got so many people inside him already. He doesn't need any more. <laughs> hey! Wow. Uh, but yes, th- there is... I Look, I can't deny there's genuine chemistry there. Um... Am I forgetting? Uh, there were two things, actually, because uh, Gwendolyn makes reference to having failed her exams mm-hmm. because she was distracted by somebody she was in love with, mm-hmm. which is why she eventually was sent to the DeBarges. Do we know who she was in love with at that point? I don't believe we do. No, because, I mean, because uh, is it canon that Gwendolyn met you or, or met Dwayne even? At the wedding, or around the time yeah. of the wedding, right? It, Dwayne was Dwayne the wedding was, before. Dwayne was hired to play like for the wedding. Eloped. Yeah, in which case, there's there's somebody in her past that she's mm. actually or was in love with before Dwayne, mm. and clearly loved Dwayne more Mystery than that. Person. It's very interesting. Mm. Mystery. Yeah. Uh, and then Enkidu makes reference to a female friend of his uh, who reminds him of uh, Gwendolyn. And I wasn't sure who that was either. Do we know who that is? Is it one of his inside friends who's in him? It might be Hina. I wasn't maybe, sure. But yeah, I was thinking maybe Ooh, Hina. Potentially. It could be. He he literally, he just says, hey, could you talk to my friend sometime uh, mm. and show her there might be another way? Oh, yeah, um, you're right. Yeah. And I'm not, it sounded almost like it was a separate, like not even a person who's inside of him, but like a person that they could run into. That, and maybe he was, he could easily have been referring to one of his inside friends, but it sounded like it was like a buddy of his from back in the day. Or Erida. Mm, you know, Erida's in love good, good friend and deciding <laughs> is having to, <laughs> In love with control. I think stick a pin in that for the next time Daryl's on No Small Questions. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd be really interested in pulling on that thread, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. It's your job, Sam. Yes. All right. uh, write that down. <laughs> 
the next scene is uh, an interesting one. Uh, they encounter a green Aladrin. This is the first time we've encountered an Aladrin, yeah. I believe, in the campaign from Aeland, oh, this guy. Uh, yeah. named, I think, Wester. It's either mm-hmm. Wester or Wesker, but I think it's Wester. Uh, guy and him hit it off right, like right off the bat. They both come from the same place. Uh, he offers to sell them a Volpertinger, which is a real mythical being uh, from Germany, not a D and D creature. Mm. So I don't know if uh, Baby David just like was like knew of the creature and was like, "Hey, let's stick one of these in," or if there's like a a, a homebrew something out there. I will read what a Volpertinger is in myth, uh, mythology, just so everybody knows. Ooh, yeah, please do. Yeah. I did search this, by the way. I couldn't find it. Yes, uh, it is a it is an animal said to inhabit the alpine forests of Bavaria and Baden Baden Württemberg in southern Germany. Uh, it has a body comprising various animal parts. There's generally wings, antlers, a tail, and fangs, all attached to the the body of a small mammal. In this particular case, it was a hamster. Uh, the most widespread <laughs> description portrays the Volpertinger as having the head of a hare, the body of a squirrel, the antlers of a deer, and the wings and occasionally the legs of a bird. Oh my god, I think oh I've seen pictures god. of this thing. I think I've seen pictures yeah. of this thing before. There are it's stuffed like a animals really of them. Cute, fucked up bunny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's two different like because America also has the jackalope, yes. which I believe is a is a hare with antlers, yeah. but it doesn't have wings or anything like that. Uh, this is a lot more elaborate. <laughs> Freaking so European. Yes. Oh my god, I need to look this thing up. How do you how do you actually spell it? Because I I tried like what I thought was phonetically, uh, and it. Didn't. Uh, I have a W O L P E R T I N G E R. Okay. I mean, I fell at the first hurdle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. W O L P E R T I N G E R. Uh. I was pronouncing the W like it was in German, German. so yeah. Volpertinger. Mm. Um, cool. Oh, my God. Okay, no, I have seen these things. I have seen something like this anyway. Um, yeah. Maybe even in game. Hmm. Mm. I mean, it's cute as hell. Yes, I looked it up on D&D Beyond, Forgotten Realms, just Googled it. I don't think... I think they exist as homebrew monsters, but I do not think they exist as official creatures in Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, so that's a that's a slot waiting to be filled, folks. Uh, Baby David's doing your work for you, wizards. Uh, apparently, they're on World of Warcraft. There you go. Oh, really? Uh... Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, so yeah, guy buys a cloak for himself. Uh, he buys the Volpertinger for Juna. Uh, they also uh, Gwen buys the the calming comb. Uh, Kido uh, in a in an. I feel like this was a surprisingly mischievous move for Enkidu. Uh, prestidigitates 20 gold yes. into Orin's pouch uh, so he can buy a special whistle that could be heard by up to five people of the whistler's choice within a mile. Very cool little really item cool. there. Uh, and they also buy a candle with a flame that only the person holding it can see. They've already just gone shopping and they decided, <laughs> let's do more shopping. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, these were like interesting items that, you know, I think David said in the last episode, he sent them like a price list for all these things and they picked things off of there. This is like, you're not going to find these on like uh, D&D Beyond or in any of the books or something like that. These are all David mm. creations. I'm still kind of annoyed that they didn't go for the not hot pot because, <laughs> yo, like I, I, I can't think off the top of my head how you would use that thing, but I bet you there's a way. Yeah. Fire resistance. Yeah, just wear it on your head. Possibly even fire immunity if you're small enough. 
<laughs> oh. Like, it could be pretty useful. I don't know. But I I also found it very interesting. First of all, I enjoyed the haggling that occurred. But I found the, mm-hmm. the references to the Feywild really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think we've had really extra planar stuff has not been a huge theme of this campaign or the world thus far. No. So it's really interesting mm-hmm. to he- be like, hey, I got this from a straight up other plane of existence. <laughs> you want to buy this exotic pet? I think there's only been mention of a demonologist, and I yeah. made an mm. assumption in my D&D brain that that meant something about another plane where demons come from. But it's entirely possible that demons exist on the material plane in this yeah. world, mm-hmm. so there's mm-hmm. not been like a particular, yeah, allusion to, oh, there are definitely other planes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still, want- I'm still hoping that we go out to Aeland because it... You know, firstly, for all of Gaius's storyline, uh, which I think we may get into that through delving more into the hex anyway. Um, mm-hmm. but also like, you know, do they have more of an affinity with the Feywild? If there's loads of elves there, you know, you've got your Eladrin, you've got your kind of like Fey elves coming over, more creatures. I don't know. I think it might be quite a nice, like, little, little break from the yeah. campaign to just go into the Feywild for a little bit and sing with some flowers or something. <laughs> Get mm-hmm. some more spoons. Yeah. Yeah. That's where that's where the rest yeah. of the spoons are. Face spoons. They're the best <laughs> spoons. spoons. Uh, this turns into just a full Pokemon campaign. There's a whole different set of spoons in the in the Feywild region that you can go to. Uh, <laughs> in the Hoenn, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, too much water. Too much water We've in the, in the uh, Feywild region. Johto region. <laughs> exactly. And each one has a different theme song. They have to record <laughs> a new theme song for each successive uh, location. They get different companions. Uh, there's a new league. <laughs> new big bad. Yeah. They stay the same age. Yes. Uh, and all their old people are like written out. Fey crowd. Yeah, like Dwayne shows up <laughs> one time after they leave. Uh, it's like for one big episode and that's it. So... The next thing that happened, uh, they decided to buy, uh, they decided to finally uh, attempt to swindle this man out of money by paying him using some of the fake coins. They managed to pay him using eight of them, Uh, but they pull their money together, they buy all that stuff, spend most of the rest of their money, I believe, Mm. Uh, and as they're leaving, the Eladrin says uh, that the Volpertinger's name is Turnip. Uh, the party departs. Along the way, Juno rolls a dirty 20 to socialize Turnip. Uh, but uh, but nobody can actually understand the words he's saying, or the sounds he's making, uh, all, until Orin casts Comprehend Languages. And it turns out that Turnip uh, is actually asking for food. Uh, his real name is the sound of rustling leaves in the wind. So they decide to call him Russell. Uh, and... <laughs> Apparently, Ruana dislikes Russell for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's we assume we. Uh, I think they chalk it up to like competition uh, for attention, mm, jealousy. Mm-hmm. I feel like she knew, uh, which I do have to tip my non-existent hat to David for uh, for teasing this, uh, just introducing a little element that when you look back on it, the warnings were there. <laughs> exactly. It did. It did make me wonder as well whether like does. Did Ruana back in her witchy form? I'm assuming she would have spoken Sylvan. So maybe there were like bits of information that she was picking up through knowing that language. Like she she was in the woods, she was around animals, she was very connected to the henge. It would make sense that she would speak the language of the forest. Yeah. So I was wondering like, was there a little, little like bit of information or just knowing more about this kind of creature, maybe her connection to the mm-hmm. Feywild, that instantly was like, this is a bad deal. But, I mean, she kept a beak mm. shut about it, didn't she? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her little owlbear beak. 
micro owl bear beak. <laughs> so cute. Um, but the, along the way, we actually have a, I think, a very important conversation. Uh, Juna apologizes to Enkidu for choosing him during the Wingthrup trial. Uh, Enkidu admits that he chose Juna as well. It's, I have to, again, tip my hat to both uh, Daryl and Vicky playing the heck out of that scene. Yeah. Uh, It was a scene that absolutely needed to happen. Yeah. uh, At some point, and I I like that it happened now. Mm. It felt like really good timing. Yeah. Mm. And really sincere, like you say as well. I just kind of like that in order to kind of put his like troubled heart to rest there she kind of just was like i did the same thing mate uh it's all cool (laughs) yeah what if what a conversation to have like hey sorry i got you killed like (laughs) like, and like you're permanently changed forever you now are part of a hive mind sorry about that bro (laughs) a potentially very evil hive mind exactly his his actual agency may have been permanently affected uh he may be like a lie for all we know he's just a liability like erida could be just using him as a camera and he's just i'm sure uh, she is cookies yeah erida gave them cookies and now yeah Mm. and now uh, they can't disable the cookies. Uh, they're just with them no matter where they are, giving information on their uh, their browsing uh, their browsing habits. But uh, the the next thing that happens uh, is that Orin writes the letter to <gasps> yes. Eliwick uh, and oh, proceeds yeah, to read it to the group. Cool. Yeah, so he mentions uh, the greenhouses. He mentions the hex who have bothered her before. Evidently. Uh, he lists some of the adventures he had along the way. It was interesting how he, it appears that he, he'd never mentioned the party before, but just briefly mentions them and then focuses way more in on the alchemist that they met. Yeah. Like he found that way more interesting <laughs> yeah. than like, oh yeah, I have these like potential lifelong friends. Uh, <laughs> but I met an alchemist <laughs> and they were really, they were smart. Let me tell you. Uh, he asks about the seven petals. He refers to himself uh, as being maybe a member of a family of artificers, essentially a wingthrop. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentions that Oskin and Jasana might have been sent there and asks her to look out for them mm. if she encounters them. He also asks her to say hi to Dawn or Dorn, I wasn't sure, uh, mm. with who has a he pronoun, and then and also maybe Killian. Yeah. He was initially like, yeah, and Killian. Well, maybe. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, it wasn't really clear if it was like what the relationship with Killian is there. Uh, and then signs it Orin Quill. Oh, he's so mysterious. Yeah. It's so clever because we've been asking for context and backstory from Ben, you know, on for Orin. Uh, and what he's done here is just given us a whole load more questions. He's basically <laughs> yes. put in a bunch of names and uh, kind of little hints towards things without actually answering any of the questions. Very well done, Ben. Well done there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I think Killian may be... Do you remember the soldier he alluded to when he was on the boat? And Guy was talking to him. I wondered that. The way... It was a very similar way he played the talking about and then not wanting to talk about and the kind of hesitancy, even for Orin. That would be my suspicion, is that that's Mm -hmm. the name of the soldier, perhaps. But I may be wrong. I got the same impression that like Ooh, good. that okay. he and Killian had some kind of thing yeah. in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it may not have ended so well. What kind of X is this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then uh that night, 
we have a big old twist. In uh, Kiju's passive perception is not high enough, <laughs> and Russell proceeds to rob them blind. Oh no! Uh, he oh. steals everything that they bought, yep. along with a bunch of other magical Blue items. Orange it stuff. sounds like he basically cleared Orin out yep. almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody noticed until the next morning. He left all the gold, so that was nice. <laughs> the thing is, David was so so clever because he just. He actually said in the whole thing, it's like, okay, you know, your, your passive perception is not high enough. But he did see this little creature rummaging yep. around in Orin's bag for yep. quite some time mm-hmm. and then going off to the tents and stuff. He he spelled it out for them the whole way along. Mm-hmm. Just like, do, 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 you can do nothing about this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was such a... Such a weird thing. Like, in my head, I was screaming, like, oh, 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 what's going on there? What's going on there? But they're just like, oh, I'm so glad nothing bad happened in the night. Uh, (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) Oops. That sneaky little thing. Oh, Volpating is so cute, though. Do we think that this is something, this is like a move that, uh, that they run like frequently on people. It feels it feels like a, mm. a well thought out scam that yeah, has worked much many so. a time. I was wondering if a lot of the magic items that they bought were ones that had actually been previously stolen by Russell yeah. mm-hmm. off other people. That's how he accumulates his whatnots. And so he'll probably be selling yeah. whatever Russell has stolen off them. Yeah. yeah, probably started with just the Volpertinger and then the Volpertinger picks up some things, yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. and just built up. I mean, yeah. it. I don't want to generalize, but, you know, they did introduce him as being a character very, very similar to Guy. And we know that Guy is very yeah. capable of underhanded things that mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it's kind of obvious. I think they got caught up in the, the, the grandeur of the situation, like how much fun they were having haggling yep. and chatting with this guy and like, you know, the banter, like you say, between him and Guy, that they kind of let their defenses down a little bit where normally they they might have been a bit more like Enkidu at that moment of just like, let's just get out of here. And then obviously David did the best thing of like, here's a cute thing. Be distracted by the cute thing. The yeah. cute thing is yours yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He led with the, the cuteness. Mm. Yeah. Easy way into these guys' hearts. It came from Patreon, by the way. Do you remember the Patreon poll? Oh, yeah. He described it as a cute fuzzy pet. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a world-building poll um, back in May. And there were, yeah, six six different options. And that was the one which was a travelling salesman tries selling them a cute fuzzy pet. Oh, wow. well played. God, well it's played, our David. Fault. It's, all, it's oh, always no. our fault, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because the Patreon said tries to sell them a cute fuzzy pet. This is true. This doesn't is true. say completely swindles them and <laughs> fakes them out with the cuteness. Yeah. Forcibly yeah. sells them. But what else is it going to do? Yeah. <laughs> also, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Why, didn't, uh, why didn't they take the, um, why didn't they take the money? Why did Russell leave the money? It's a good question. Why only, like, surely, it, unless they're using the magical items for some other purpose, uh, I would assume that you would take the the uh, the money as well. Yeah. That's true. Maybe they can get more money out of it. I, I don't know how much space is within a Volpertinger's cheeks, um, <laughs> but I'm guessing with, like, the lots... Uh, did they get the lots of lids? They definitely got, like, the candle and... The they got the candle, the comb, all, all, uh, the whistle, the whistle, the cloak, the cloak, yeah, and yeah. and uh, and Russell. But he also stole the he also stole the the icing, 
or not the icing, the frosting. Uh, he stole the frosting, the anti-frosting. He stole Which a potion as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the cheeks. I wonder if Russell got high on the way back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I love this image of like <laughs> flying from side the, to side. The next time we see him, he's a full junkie. <laughs> yeah, like, he and Wester are just fully like. <laughs> there, there's frosting fiends. Oh, some more frosting would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the voice. Shall I lead us on, guys? Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So this worked out quite well because this was the episode that I happened to edit. So I actually know this one quite well. So Ooh. it was quite fortuitous that it ended up being my episode, which was episode 56, which was a map to the city. And then at the start of the episode, well, at the top of the episode, before we even hear the credits, we have the naming of the horses. Yay. Yay. Mm. I am a horse. Yay. Yay. Yes, Pip and Lord Crumpet. You are. I am so happy. I want to know whether I'm the white one or the brown one, though. So can someone please tell me what colour horse I am? That would be great. What would you prefer? Yeah, if you had to choose. Probably the white one. Mm. I want to be like, um, I want to be like. Gandalf, what's it called? Shadow Facts. Shadow Facts. I want to be Shadow Facts. Pippa Facts. Show me the meaning. Or would it of be Shadow Pip? Which one do we prefer? Pippa Facts or Shadow Pip? Pippa Facts sounds like, do you remember the old like, like journal things that you used to have? Facts. Yeah, that's that's it, the file file of Facts. That's <laughs> where I keep all my no small roles lore. <laughs> In your Pippa Facts. In my Pippa Facts. <laughs> so, in the actual episode, um, we start with uh, Vicky's very good idea which is rather than turn the entire wagon round and go after Wester for a day and a half and lose more time, mm-hmm. is to send Ruana after Wester instead. So they turn her into a hawk, send her off, and I think Juna's plan is to call her back after 72 hours if she hasn't been aware of her kind of appearing in the void. And they start heading towards Forlos Vale. They arrive at Forlos Vale. It's a massive city. It's very loud and noisy. Oh, my God. Isn't it such an amazing... I love the way that David described this. Um, Gwen's I mean, quite have you seen the map as well? I love just, the map. Just saying, the map mm-hmm. of the city. The, that map of the city is yeah. bigger than the map of my entire campaign. <laughs> just, just put it out there. Like, it almost makes me when somebody creates a city that big, though, mm-hmm. it makes me as a player because I'm clearly a chaotic person want to go to every single building know, and talk yeah. to every mm-hmm. single person just yeah. to see how mapped out this thing is. Like, um, mm-hmm. for example, Jeremy, yeah. when you introduced City of the Black Rose, I was like, <laughs> let's go to yes. every every town, every here. neighborhood, <laughs> into <laughs> every district. Exactly. Yeah, you are a DM's nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> how There's many so new many places though. Characters? Characters would he have to come up with? You just name them after chocolate. <laughs> like multi, fine. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good question. Do you think that is this like a Journey to the West Buddha and Sun Wukong situation where if they go to a place, then like if they go to a specific place in Forlos Vale, then the events are there. It's like okay, now it's like say they're like, oh, we really want to go to Corfeld. Uh, and then it's like, all right, cool. Well, you're going to Corfeld, and now, oh, look, would you would you believe it? The things that needed to happen are in Corfeld. Mm. Or do you yeah. think that it's like he has specific things in specific places, and he needs to I, try and herd yeah. them towards those spots? I think maybe both. I feel a little bit like David's a more of a second one. Like I feel because I feel like so much ticks on in the background. Like there's mm. so many consequences. I feel like David's got ideas for all these different bits, and if they don't end up going to yeah. one, he's like, 
well, guess this is going to happen then. Like, <laughs> mm, yeah. you know, if, um, if Gwendolyn doesn't hide her identity, well, guess she's going to get kidnapped then. You know, like, it's not like, oh, this was definitely going to happen, but there are consequences that will happen if they miss certain things. It's the sense that I get. do okay. love consequences, doesn't he? Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I, and he kind of, he, he does express that a little bit when he talks about the different districts, because mm. I think he says like, oh, this is where the uh, the, the the school is. What's it called? The... Um, decorum ah, we have decorum school and then yeah, you know this is where the arc of this consortium is and this yeah. is where time of prevost is going to be so yeah. there was a little bit of that but i wonder if he's just built main things around that district but yeah i don't know are there shops in each district are there different npcs <laughs> are there quest givers in these things yeah i'm, I'm kind of excited by that is the, is the faceless footman hiding yeah. <laughs> in one of the district yeah there's one in each it district could be everywhere <laughs> crawling another because i'm still so angry about the faceless footman oh, no. the, the, the faceless footman you got, I'm, like, I'm so angry i can't speak we have to talk they about never, it every time never sorted it out it's a mystery <laughs> just left hanging is Dwayne and mildock for some reason oh yes you should be, be. <laughs> i want conversations between Dwayne and prevost yeah that would be great so they the the party get directed to various places. There's lots of places on the map that they get told where everything is. They ask for a map and the guy doesn't have one. Multi doesn't have one, but he sends them to uh, the city hall in the Vale. They go to Wrighton because that's where they've been told is the best place to get sort of cheap lodgings and stable the horses there. Then... Oh, and Kidu uses his criminal contact for the first time as well. <laughs> yeah. Finds a pickpocket, asks about some powder in the city, and is told that our six-sided friends are in town. So, yeah, more more hex, should we wish to go after them. Uh, they grab the map. Um, they talk to the, the person at the info desk and find out that Berion and Prevost both are in town. Um, they get their map. They get told that Prevost is speaking later that day. Um, find out where a few more other things are. Then uh, Enkidu does his inside check and gets a dirty 20. So we get to talk to Gilgamesh again, or Enkidu and Gilgamesh have another conversation, which this this conversation left me feeling quite uneasy for the first time about Gilgamesh, I'll be honest. Like up until this point, I was like, yeah, this is a guy we can get behind and he sort of seems quite solid. Mm. And now I'm not so sure because Mm. after kind of talking about that, it feels more disconnected between them. um, Enkidu kind of admits that he's struggling. And then they talk about how to sort of shake things up and remove Berrien. And Gilgamesh decides that it might be a good idea to try and remove Berrien, but make it look like it was Prevost's fault, which seems quite sneaky and underhanded and was quite unexpected, I thought, personally. Mm. Yeah, he kind of said it's not how we do things in the light, but I don't mm. I don't know. I, I kind of... I've got this horrible feeling that, that now whenever he does an inside check runs down the back of my spine that it's not actually Gilgamesh anymore. Uh, that it's oh, the, Eridid. you know, the Erida copy. Yeah. And this Eridid. would very much be an Erida tactic yeah. of finding your way to the crown. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't um, considered that. But then you might be wow. right. It might just be that, that maybe Gilgamesh is a little bit of a dick. I mean, we've had questions as to whether Gilgamesh and all of Enkidu's inside friends are even real. And even if Enkidu is really Enkidu from mm-hmm. like day one, mm. like who is the the primary host? Yeah. Is it really Enkidu? Who, what is the identity? Like, mm-hmm. so we genuinely, I think we really don't actually know who any of these personas are that are yeah. inside him. Like, we can't rely on Enkidu's recollection. Well, also... Not now he's been erited. Part of, yeah, part of what's so weird about it is, let's assume that when we met Enkidu, 
like what we saw at face value was that it was to some extent true. Mm-hmm. That he was a guy who had a bunch of friends who somehow got essentially imprisoned inside of him. When he dies and gets broken, the impression I get is that essentially when he died, his brain got like broken down into like code. Like it was the mm-hmm. information that was, that makes up Enkidu. Yeah. Uh, similar to like uh, how teleporters allegedly would work. Yeah. How they break you down and take the information that is you and assemble it in another place. So even though the other you died, there's a new you who has all of your memories and is now alive. Yeah. What does? What about the friends? Does that mean that the friends also yeah. got mm-hmm. dispersed and then reconstituted in in a new form? Does it mean like the friends' spirits were let loose and then con- like they they then flew back into this new Enkidu that was created, or is it all just like an Arida based copy? There's a lot. Of, I mean, the impression seems to yeah. be that at least Enkidu thinks he's real because we've heard him have conversations with Arida, but yeah. There's so many, like, the actual, like, logic and mechanics of it is very interesting to explore. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, because when they spoke to the guys in the Codex, that was very much, they were talking to data. They were talking to the things that they knew in life and that they were able to relay. Mm -hmm. There seemed to be a particular lack of soul or whatever you would constitute to being a soul, like what makes a person a person. And that, that is kind of the, the vibe that I got from that chat, um, and it makes me want to now go back to listen to uh, the last time uh, that, that Daryl used Gilgamesh, which I think was even Wingthrup Arc. Did he use? I feel like there was he a spoke a, to a Gilgamesh fight in, where the, he was in like the waiting Gilgamesh. room thing. Yeah, mm. uh, there might well have been another time since then, but that's the last one I remember. It'd be interesting, I think, to go back and like listen to that conversation and see mm. whether David is playing something new with this, or whether it's just mm. yeah, you know these are the kind of the tactics that they're going to need to get to the throne. Um, yeah. Or whether Gilgamesh was always like this on some level, we just never actually saw it before. Yeah. Because we never mm. had the opportunity, never came actually up mm-hmm. against that particular situation. Yeah. It's another mm. question for Daryl, guys. Write him down. <laughs> I think no matter what the answers are about this Gilgamesh situation, we can all agree that it's epic. Yes. It is the epic. It is epic. <laughs> <clears throat> Gilgamesh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You got it. There was a job. I was slower. Um, oh after this, after this inside check, they head to the. <laughs> Sorry, how does heads in hands? No, I'm glad that was the I'm joke fine. I was making. No, I got it. Was... I'm so fine. I'm fine. I got. I yeah. Right, we head up to uh, Mill Dock. There are mills and docks. Surprise. Hey. Um, they hey. find a, a crowd by a platform, and they go, "Aha! This must be where Prevos is going to speak." So, kind of push inwards to the side. And there's some guards around keeping an eye on the thing. Um, the crowd continues to grow. Doors open behind the platform. And then uh, once the doors open, there's a, like a bunch of people come out who look quite wealthy and noble. Uh, Time on Prevos is one of them. But, and here was the, the kind of the cliffhanger bombshell drop, also is Kasula. Mm. And everyone goes nuts. Mm-hmm. As did I. That was a name that I was not expecting to come up. Yeah. But it, it does make sense given... Gwen's background and her family's background and the the House of Decorum thing. Yeah, it makes perfect sense that Kasula would be in some way affiliated with one of them. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just crazy that that happened. I think within an episode or two of the last mentioning of Kasula, like the mm-hmm. that Gwendolyn yeah. was talking about her training and like this could have happened yeah. at Fallas Vale for her then yeah. to be was such she... a big part of this movement. 
Um, yeah. She even yeah. mentioned yeah. um, Kasula in episode 54 because she was wanting to get some kind of weapon that was like mm-hmm. Kasula's. I think it was like a metal yeah. fan that actually looked like a fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't find it in Vernock. She didn't think there was anyone good enough to make it in Vernock Rise. And yeah. she was talking yeah. a bit about Kasula then. And she mentioned oh, her in she 55. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think she mentioned yeah. her in this episode mm-hmm. briefly. It's madness. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like preluding to what was about to happen and at least she can nick the war fan now it's great you know she's pretty damaged uh <laughs> by the time it you know she actually comes to mia uh, <laughs> just yeah. slip the fan off of her and be like yeah. i just the, the villains they took it yeah. they stole it it's pesky teleporting people damn you giggles <laughs> <laughs> giggles oh i loved this episode though so much i loved the introduction of the city i loved how big it was mm-hmm. like the fact that they've been thinking about oh you know we want to go to the mercy lands to see what's going on with orin uh, and also the woden isles and you know we want to go to splinter falls because you know june is going on about how like the magic there would be interesting we've been trying to get to fall Vale for ages and yeah i feel like you could run a campaign here yeah um like easily. in the same way that within the forgotten realms you can run an entire campaign within Waterdeep. this had that same kind of scale for me um mm. and almost made me wish that they'd waited to spend all of their money until they got here because you better believe there's going to be so many magic items and scrolls and like interesting things going on here like i want to see the seedier parts of this city uh like the gambling I stuff the Arcanist consortium yeah would yeah. they and the be library able, would they be able to get a wobbertinger called turnip well they didn't this time either so um (laughs) yeah well i'm sure there's like an exotic pet trade right yeah there's got to be an exotic pet trade they could find another wolpertinger and name it turnip i I bet the wing thrups would be involved in that what with all their elemental trapping yeah (laughs) i mean enkidu walks into the city within six minutes he's got a human equivalent of a wolpertinger pickpocket um yeah Yeah, that's true (laughs) new new friend that he just sidles up to is like hey need to score <laughs> it really it really is pokemon isn't it like i'm just gonna mm. catch this little guy and this little guy just yeah. collect them i do love that episode where ash catch and buys drugs it's just amazing oh yeah mm, yeah I that's, think, a, that's uh, a solid one i didn't see, see that one on the <laughs> saturday morning cartoon, there, it's, so it's, this whole conversation reminds me it's making me think uh do enkidu's dream of electric volpertingers <laughs> <gasps> i would listen to that podcast like, <laughs> i mean i'm actually looking at you here jeremy uh because you like short campaigns i think like a, uh, yeah like a, a mini series starring in <laughs> yeah. uh like it's just a blade runner <laughs> uh, it's a blade <laughs> runner inspired oh my god yeah, i would love that i would oh my god. so live for that we have daryl come over and play enkidu in uh in mavros and we don't know who has yeah. been erited or not? Yeah, exactly. And people don't know if they they've been they're part of the codex. Yeah, oh my that's god, gr- you could yeah. do like a glitch in the system kind of campaign where it's actually all happening within Erida, and this is like the prime. Oh my god, uh, it's like Blade Runner meets mm. the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The implication is that we've always been Erida, and they just didn't know. Yeah, and he befriends another, uh, like you know, one that was about to be turned into a battery, or maybe they got codified as they get turned into batteries, and it's like the journey of the two of them uh, working through the levels of code. Uh, to get to the primeval Erida. Uh, David, it. new campaign idea for you. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so we've come up with about three different spin-offs. Bonus content. Mm-hmm. No pressure, but you must make all of them. Thank you, David. Yeah, once you finish writing the, the second part of the further adventures of Dwayne Fabuloso, the further, further adventures, of course. 
Yeah. Yes. The <laughs> the even, even further. further. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there it is. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, do we want to move on to episode 57? Because, uh, I mean, it leads it. on directly from that moment. Whoa, big wow. Kasula just turned up. Uh, <laughs> this episode, uh, aptly titled Shots and Giggles. Love it. I'd be interested to know whether that was the entire kind of inspiration for the characters that they end up fighting or whether that happened afterwards. <laughs> uh, that's a question that I'm going to have to ask David. Um, I mean, I played a campaign with him once where he literally, uh, we were, we did your idea, Jeremy, where we switched DMs on a natural one and all he had for his section was the word snakes <laughs> and he made a whole thing out of it. Just snakes. Awesome. Uh, so would not be surprised. <laughs> Um, I didn't write down a massive summary for this bit because the majority of it is, is a fight. However, the interesting details are that, um, Timon Prevost comes out and he is the spitting image of Gilgamesh. Um, like all, like the only thing that I think is described differently is the hair. Otherwise, Mm. you know, same jawline, same body build, all of that, all of those details. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, could be the same person, gets up there, starts speaking the same way, which just makes me so excited for a conversation between Enkidu and Timon Prevost yeah. and like Gwendolyn and Kasula, like all of that going on at the same time. Anyway, yeah. uh, start speaking. We hear some information. It's very uh, left wing uh kind of or you know power to the people kind of conversation of like taking Mm -hmm. back the power from the lord's assembly um and giving it back to the people and that's how he wants to kind of run the country or run run all of dravain there's also a mention that the way that the lord's assembly do things is wrong because one particular example of this is that we finally find out what happened to jazana uh because the one who they uh blamed for what happened at the vondel uh, estate uh, is Jazana, and she gets hanged. Uh, so, mm. what's happened to Oscan? Uh, yeah, because why... it's obviously the housekeeper's fault. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The butler did it. Yeah. I mean, she was clearly OP. It must have taken a while to hang her because Enkidu couldn't knock her out. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, he like attached all these weights just to try and do enough falling <laughs> yeah, damage, just pulling her down. Oh God! Oh, God. Um, so but, grim. Harkens back to what you were saying last time we spoke on uh, Superfan Chats, Jeremy, about like David's clever way of like keeping the world ticking over, keeping like every now and then just asking one of the, uh, answering one of those lingering questions that we've had going on. Mm-hmm. We finally know what happened to her, uh, and he's about to te- uh, talk more to these this crowd of people uh, when all of a sudden. Big bolt comes in from about 200 meters away. Massive explosion. Uh, Kasula like dives in there and gets uh, Tommy Prevost out of the way, taking the brunt of the damage. And then it's just pure carnage. Uh, and, and to be honest, I don't think in this moment that David actually expected them to get to the sniper so fast. But mm. Gaius basically becomes the barred tank of the party and dimension doors mm. up into the tower where this sniper is while uh, Juna and, and Gwendolyn are handling things on the floor with uh, a teleporting, darkness-wielding something. Uh, we're, we're not sure about Giggly that one. Psycho. Yeah, and then an arcane archer up there and David basically relishing in building these op enemies that he often does uh just kind of like i feel like he asked the question before he starts he's like how can i make this harder for them uh how can (laughs) Mm -hmm. i kill them faster and watch them scramble he just absolutely obliterated Mm -hmm. them with one guy um and this is the thing he kindly told us uh both the name dane 
and the ability of this guy, you know, what, what class he was, he's a arcane archer fighter, uh, really mm. interesting build, um, a little bit OP, but he gave us so little information about the other one. Um, yes. I'd be interested hearing what you think, like, classes, subclasses might be there. Mm. Um, but basically, there's a whole fight. Everyone's flying all over the place, including Orin, uh, guys taking hits <laughs> in this moment. Um, there's, like, swinging, uh, you know, Hawkeye style out the window. There's, yeah. there's blowing up a tower, so it's coming down. Uh, Gwendolyn's punching civilians. Uh, it's all great fun. Um, uh, there's like a Yondu moment as well from Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy with like the arrow changing direction and hitting them. Uh, I think it's homing then, arrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it just absolute absolute madness and carnage, but kind of nice to have a big bloody fight after the last uh, few episodes of just kind of like shopping and getting to places to be like, oh hey, uh, it's only two guys, but you're not going to be able to kill them. Have fun. <laughs> and then. It kind it ended with uh, Enkidu getting very excited um, about an ability that he's able to use if he kills a person uh, and basically reaches into this guy as he deals the killing blow and sucks out their soul so uh, very Dementor style uh, so that there will be an accursed spectre uh, at the start of the next episode, I'm assuming. Um, uh, can, we, can we just put something together about Enkidu having a bunch of people in his mind and this ability uh -huh. is there yeah what what is mm. what's going on here i mean that's a that's a sixth level spell ability or that's a sixth level ability that hexblade yeah. uh you can uh i'll read you the text uh, well, well this level, is the thing actually jeremy because oh, i'm yes. assuming you have read the text as well same as me yes. which means that you're probably being like ha a dm as clever as david We'll probably punish Daryl for this, uh, or Enkidu's decision. Because if you read the text, when you look at a cursed spectre, and then it sends you to the spectre stats, mm -hmm. they can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was what I was thinking as well. And they uh, also hold no connection to their former life or experiences. So I'm a little bit worried that Daryl's just <laughs> yeah. been like, oh, hey, look, here's a new ability that I've learned. I'm going to use it now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I really suspect he did not talk that one out with uh, David ahead of time. But this is the actual text. Starting at sixth level, you can curse the soul of a person you slay, temporarily binding it in your service. When you slay a humanoid, you can cause its spirit to rise from its corpse as a specter. When the specter appears, it gains temp HP equal to half your warlock level. Uh, it has its own turns. So you roll initiative for it. It obeys your verbal commands, and it gains a special bonus to its attack rolls equal to your charisma modifier. Uh, the specter remains mm. in your service until the end of your next long rest at which point it vanishes to the afterlife uh you can only use this uh feature once per long rest so yeah uh if you look at the actual specter stats as as sam was pointing out they understand all languages they knew in life but cannot speak uh and then you can uh, you can read like the actual text as well uh they no longer possess connections to who or what they were uh so it's, oh, it's yeah. gonna be interesting to see how they play that one um yeah because like i think like hannah was gonna say i wondered whether the specter would embody somebody that enkidu had in their head or something mm. and I, I guess we'll see that in the next episode of whether it is just like a you know your, your classic specter like you know dementor looking thing um or nazgul uh, or whether it is something more tailored to Enkidu's past, or, I mean, fingers crossed, an enemy that is still able to share their information with Enkidu, uh, because mm. he's given plenty of options in that moment to be like, don't go through with it. 
<laughs> I think when he first started saying it, I was like, oh God, if this is a cursed spectre, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or hang on a second. Maybe Enkidu has accidentally downloaded all that information to Erida and that's why it can't share that information with him. Maybe he's just sent it directly to the cloud. <laughs> that would be really interesting. I mean, it did say that the body disappeared. Yeah, I assumed that was like a failsafe. Mm. Uh, so that like if they die, they are the body is taken so the evidence is gone. Mm. And one thing that I've done like in the... Uh, I made like a high magic uh, setting where... That this kind of stuff is very common and because like resurrection is super common or at least commonly available uh it's expensive uh excuse me resurrection is expensive in the world but speak with dead isn't so like if you have the corpse you can just bring it up and have it talk to you or yeah, yeah. Uh, if you have like a a rogue a phantom rogue who can turn it into a soul token they can also like use the soul token and ask it a question they're like a number of different ways that you can make something talk if you manage to get a hold of the body and so it may have yeah, been one of yeah. those like we take the body if they take the soul there's nothing we can do about it mm-hmm. but it's a fail at least yeah yeah clever yeah, yeah we at least get rid of the body and get rid of the evidence yeah, yeah. i mean it w- are we thinking hex for these guys as well or something different it's hard to know isn't it because like i do wonder if it's like because david is very good at like connecting everything so even if they're Mm -hmm. not directly connected to the hex i would have a suspicion that they were linked somehow even if they weren't hex operatives especially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they seem too good for hex Based on what we've yeah. seen in the hex, Based on that the just last be gang too organized, other, too competent. In the other town, yeah. Yeah. Or is it just Unless the- they're sending out the big guns. Yeah. Like, are we seeing the grunts and that this is the true caliber that they'd be coming up against? Yeah, is that their, their main guys operate in the big cities and then the kind of small fry operate in the smaller kind of towns and villages? Mm. I was just wondering about the Lord's Assembly and the Consortium and who they might have in their employ in terms of high-level assassins. And- Somebody like Berrien, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that did puzzle me, and it's part of the reason I've never liked the Arcane Archer, in uh, Rules as Written, Arcane Archers only have two Arcane Shots, like two uses of Arcane Shot that they can use per short rest. And oh. that doesn't scale, which is, like, insane to me. Um, but... Let's see. What did what? Which ones did he use? He used enfeebling, um, definitely. He used seeking arrow. Well, so that's that's. I, I'm not sure. I think that's a class feature, as opposed to, like a reaction that you can take when you miss a shot. I think it's called no. Curve. Seeking arrows is actually an arcane shot as well. Oh right. Th- yeah. There's there's uh, there's curving shot where if you miss, yeah. you can make it. You can make a. Uh, you can use a bonus action to re-roll uh, the attack roll against a different target within sixty feet. of Which the is original. what he did to Enkidu. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Did he use more than two? I mean, he definitely, mm. it seemed like I think he-, he used two. He definitely used two enfeebling mm-hmm. shots. Uh, both of them on Gaius. Cause I think he said like, oh, I'm going to action surge and then mm-hmm. enfeebling shot again. Uh, because it, you know, it's, it's something like it weakens your attack. And then, you know, Chris made that joke about my loot yes. as my weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I kind of love, uh, which actually leads me onto a question for you guys. Um, Considering it's been two years. Yay. Happy birthday, by the way. Happy hey. birthday, No Small Rolls. Uh, considering it's been two years of No Small Rolls, what is Gaius's subclass? What is going on there? I have never heard him use a subclass feature. Oh, yeah. But he does some pretty crazy things with Healing Word. And I don't, I don't know if this is just a retcon, but Chris is a very experienced player. David is a very experienced DM. And he actually talked about this in this episode of like, oh, yeah, you can't do something like that with your bonus action when you've cast a main spell mm-hmm. on your action. 
But Chris, or Gaius rather, for, and, and this has happened in a few episodes, I've like picked up on it, and it's always with Healing Word, he's able to cast a leveled spell as an action and then suddenly jump in with a Healing Word on himself or on somebody else. Uh, whereas normally that would be taboo. You know, it'd be too leveled, mm-hmm. leveled spell on, on each mm. thing. I'm like, it, it's happened enough that I don't, I don't think it could be a mistake at this point. So I'm wondering, is there some kind of like weird homebrew subclass that they've created together where he's able to do a healing word? Or have you guys actually heard him use anything like cutting words or uh, like, like school of eloquence or features like or yeah. anything like that? I don't think eloquence yeah, existed when they, when they started. Maybe... I was thinking maybe like whispers. Yeah, but yeah, College of Whispers, yeah. you get you get those um, psychic blades. Yeah, which and he, he hasn't. Yeah. He wouldn't. He hasn't used. And I'm sure if he had them, he would use them because uh, I, I played one of those, and they were fun. Unless he's purposely handicapping himself, which does kind of sound quite Chris actually uh, for like the lols. But yeah, because well, yeah, wasn't there that whole discussion? sort of in the beginning about Gaius's background and actually he's not a very good bard like he has a surprisingly mm. low charisma score for a bard which I don't think was a mistake on Chris's part mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like he has a pretty high dex as well I think he had like a plus four for this one or I think he said he had a score of like 18 so maybe he used to yeah, be a rogue I, and he picked up Marty. I wondered that because he's got yeah. that criminal background, right? Because that's mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I'm a I'm a bard with a criminal background, but I wonder if he's actually maybe he's secretly multi-classing and we don't even know. Yeah, I wouldn't put. I maybe he's got like five classes, so he's got no subclasses. He's just does he give <laughs> d8s for his inspiration? Oh, that is a good question. Oh yeah, that is a really good question. He hasn't used bardic inspiration for a while, but even so, I've never heard him sneak attack. No. Never heard him use sneak yeah. attack. Never heard him use any like defining class feature. True. Yeah. He doesn't use. He doesn't use the. Well, what about arcane trickster? Let me see if arcane trickster let me lets you use mm. spells as bonus actions. I'm guessing it doesn't. Uh, but let me see. Um, they the mage hand. I think you can use mage hand as an act uh, bonus action. Um, yeah, or you can use, um, you can use bonus action to control the hand, but no, no, that doesn't let you cast healing word. There's a feat where you can, you can cast two spells, one as a bonus action, isn't there? It's like Warcaster or something. Oh, that's true. Uh, It's not Warcaster, it's, yeah. Um, I know that, I know with sorcerers, you, you can use quickened spell. But I know wizards can use it sometimes. But I don't know if it's open to bards as well. I don't know if it's a feat that actually bards are allowed to take. War may, yeah, war, war magic. I think just gives you advantage on con saves and means you can okay. cast a spell as a reaction to, like, oh, as, as an opportunity what I was attack. Of. Yeah, maybe yeah. That's what, the way that Chris has played this, and like, you know, I've, I've played with him in loads of other things. He absolutely knows how to track all of the abilities that a character can do. So whether he's choosing not to do these things so as not to like let. Let us, the listeners, get, you know, like, oh, I, I know that you can do that because of this is your subclass or something. Yeah. Or whether he's literally just picked the, like, the bard NPC out of the book and, like, begun to level that up. That is the only explanation that I have for, like, why you wouldn't, like, use something like, like, cutting words if you were a, a law bard or... Um, he could be a swords bard who doesn't use swords. Well, he's had that like longsword, hasn't he? Oh, that he, he got can't a new use. rapier in episode 54. He got a new rapier oh, and he yes, got some, he uh, and he got a chain shirt. Some, and a crossbow with and some And a crossbow. Yeah. Yes. 
he came in with a big, big old crossbow and was like, what's up? And then he made some jokes about not knowing whether to have safety on or off. He it could also be a Valor Bard. Yeah, but then he'd be able to wear, like, heavy armor, right? Is, he, is no, it just medium armor or... shields and you can use ah. martial weapons. So he could use, like, a longsword if he had one. Um, and then the other thing is combat inspiration, where uh, a creature that has a bardic inspiration die from you can roll it and add it to weapon damage. Uh, that it just hmm. made. Uh, and addition, alternatively, when an attack roll is made against the creature, it can use its reaction to roll the bardic inspiration die and add the number rolled to its AC. But nobody's used that either. So that makes me think that it's yeah. it's maybe whispers. Or not whispers, sorry, swords. And he's just never, ever used a sword. Because all of your stuff is, <laughs> is everything in that subclass is surrounded, it like surrounds blades. And if you just don't use swords, then you never use any of the abilities. I mean, I just, I... <laughs> The only the only thing I can like yeah I I think you're right it's either that or he and David have come up with something very very specific and you know cuz I mean you know they came up with a way of decorum they they changed the hex blade so it works more with um Enkidu being able to have like different weapons that do different things and like have different bonuses really cool element to it even like you know Orin to some extent has homebrewed small parts of I think it's the artillerist um mm. artificer or artificer if you're David um but yeah with I don't know with it, it's just because I've never heard any like flavor above bard to let me know mm. what he's accessing there you're that so you, right. yeah it does make you wonder if he's been like he stayed like a level two or three bard hmm. and multi-classed into something else entirely and will at some point probably end game just be like, oh my God, I was a barbarian the whole time. And then, you know, <laughs> running with a great axe. Um, who knows? Who knows mm. with Chris They're Watt? They're all so full of secrets. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. All of them. We got to sneak into that uh, D&D Beyond campaign if they have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, he's I not on there. I, I had access to it. I looked. Because <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, wait a minute, I think Dwayne might be in there. Let me <laughs> see. It. They've closed it all off now. It's all private. Yeah. At the character information, that is. Because I used to be able to look at, uh, I can't remember. I think it was Enkidu. I, I could see, like, the Enkidu shield. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> but then Daryl's always been very upfront and open with what he can do on his character. But yeah, yeah, Chris, Chris is... Is keeping that one under wraps. Yeah. Maybe by the fourth year we'll know what he's doing. Yeah, probably not. Or it'll just be an even bigger mystery. when he opens his bar in in Vernot Rise. Yeah, yeah. Called Where the Spoons. Way. Or he's the faceless footman. Oh, I mean, he's missing part of his face. <laughs> right, right. Um, shall we? Shall we round up with a favorite moment or thing from each of us? Mm. Do we want to roll initiative to see who gives a moment first? Oh my god, I don't, I don't have any dice with me. Oh what no, a, you get a natural one. <laughs> use an online, use an online, uh, use an online <laughs> dice roller. Oh my god, oh my god. Um, okay, I have so many dice and none in this room. D twenty, right? Are we yeah. going uh, green die, purple just die, go on or the, red Just die. go on your computer and find I'm one online. It, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay, rolling with green. Uh, I'm gonna roll mine right now that is a natural 17 guys okay oh that's a two (laughs) uh 16 and 11 for me so what is that sam hannah me pippa Mm -hmm. nobody's got any modifiers Uh, for this have they who's very dexy sadly no (laughs) i'm not dexy (laughs) uh favorite moment for me favorite moment uh i'm torn between two um off the top of my head the first one would be 
I'm not going to mention that because somebody else might come up with it. It's, <laughs> it's the whole, it's the Eilish encounter. I just loved Aww. that moment mm. of them just having that banter together. Uh, and it, it was just kind of, I don't know. It, like, I think Chris even uh, mentioned it at the time. He's like, you know, I go way more Eilish, you know, when when I'm with mm-hmm. somebody from Eilin. And it was that whole kind of like revertigo scenario um, that I just kind of loved, even if it all Aww, ended in, nice. uh, in tears. Um, I think... I think my favourite is probably going to be Gwen flirting with Mossy just because it was so sweet and so like a little bit awkward. And also I love me some queer representation. It was great. Super Mm -hmm. great. Good choice. She's got to be a key NPC now. Yeah. Got to come back. My favourite moment was the sniper attack. (sighs) Uh, I, I enjoyed the shock. Uh, of just like, oh, dang! Uh, <laughs> I think it was interesting. off now. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was interesting to see uh, t- uh, Tymon as like this it very, like, a, seemingly a revolutionary figure, a change, like a figure who's tried to change things for the better, perhaps. We get like a lore dump, and then it's just like, no! <laughs> and it's like, oh, no! And suddenly he's in trouble. <laughs> um, uh, Gwendolyn's mentor is in trouble. And like, it's chaos! And it was like, oh, here we go! And I was I was there like rubbing my hands. <laughs> That's absolutely my favorite kind of thing, is everybody goes like, oh, no! Yeah. Uh, and the DM's just like gritting. Just perfectly pitched. I mean, the the stakes hit a natural twenty in that whole moment, didn't they? Like they went from like, oh, this is this is interesting, like you say, dialogue, uh, exposition, understanding. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm going to pick something that's silly, but I have to pick it, which is the horses are called Pippa Lord Crumpet. Yeah. I mean, it would be remiss of me to choose anything else, but my na- my name. If you look up what my name means, it means lover of horses. Really? Um, as a small kid, I was obsessed with horses. I went horse riding every like Saturday and went down and helped at the local stables, like dealing with all the horses and things. Oh, and great choice, everyone. Um, weirdly, there was actually a horse. There was a horse called Pippa that I used to ride, and everyone got really confused. Whoa. Wow. But yeah, so I had I couldn't pick anything else this time, I'm afraid. That's brilliant. <laughs> Is Pippa short for Philippa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Because Philip means the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. That's it's just amazing. It made me happy. Aww. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, that's way better because I'm like quite scared of horses. So, I'm glad you got <laughs> <laughs> horses got You don't want to be a horse called Hannah then. <laughs> mm, probably not. No. No. You can be a squirrel. That, yeah, that's cool. I'm down with that. <laughs> Some kind of strange woodland creature. Can't be scared of imaginary horses. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely can be scared of imaginary horses if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> So definitely check out the Patreon because as we've heard, lots of things go down on there and you can actually influence the campaign and all the sort of encounters they might have. Mm -hmm. And um, David also releases all kinds of like cool subclasses and homebrew things. You actually get to see all the nitty gritty detail of what goes on and you get to support this amazing podcast, which only gets better and better. Um, and I can't wait for us to come back for another Superfan Chats and Yay. start putting more red string on our <laughs> conspiracy board. <laughs> Still going, that board. <laughs> oh, uh, it's it's gotten so much messier after this few episodes. <laughs> so I guess um, that's it from us for this time. And we'll see you in the next one. Should we do, should we do the thing? We'll do the thing. I think we do the thing. I'm loading it up. 
Anon for Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.